0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to LEF, Local Environmental Forum. I'm your host, Sarah Craddock, and this is episode 14. Today, we'll be talking to Steve Shepard. He's the chair of the Mississippi Sierra Club Coast Group. Steve is going to talk to us about the Sierra Club and a recent event that the Sierra Club finds concerning, and that is clear-cutting in the Pascagoula Wilderness Management Area. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started. Well, thank you, Steve, so much for taking the time to talk to me today. So if you could just tell me a little bit about the Sierra Club, Mississippi chapter, the Coast Group.
1: Well, the Mississippi, the state of Mississippi has a state chapter. And our state chapter kind of headquarters is Jackson, Mississippi. Then within the state, we have at least two active groups and we have had up to four active groups. And I can't really, I don't keep up well with the other groups, so I don't know what their status is, but we have a Gulf Coast group that uh, represents six coastal counties. So, you know, that's the three, three on the coast and the three counties above the coast that's kind of our area of of main concern. We certainly can deviate out from that area, but that that is the core of what we worry about. And that's why this issue that came up is within our area. And that's why we've acted on it. At the same time, the chapter is informed and the state chapter is interested. And I don't doubt that at some point, if we have problems with This campaign, then they will probably act on that. If we ever need legal action, the state will initiate that. It won't come from the group level. I've been with the officially a member of the Sierra Club since about 1985 or 86. I'm considered the uh, Gulf Coast Group Chair.
0: We talked last week about several things that the Sierra Club is doing here on the coast, but I asked you to pick one that you thought maybe was most pertinent or most um, imperative that we deal with right now. And you brought up, it's the Pasquale Wildlife Management Area, as I understand it.
1: Uh, David Murrah came to our last meeting and and he was reminding us how all this swamp bottomland back in the 1970s, was a private property belonging, I believe, to more than one tree growing company, tree harvesting company. But it ended up kind of consolidating into, uh, in in particular, a 50,000 acre tract. I think since then there's been more added to it because there's a lot of bottom land and there's been more than one uh, entity that has use that bottom land to uh, harvest for lumber and, and even pulpwood and all kinds of things. So he was telling us that what brought it to a head back in the 70s is that the 50,000 acres was uh, going to be sold and that the company that was going to buy it was going to clear cut the entire thing and remove all cypress trees, black gum, you know, magnolias and oaks and all this natural growth, and replace it with uh, eastern cottonwood, which is also a native tree, but imagine 50,000 acres of mixed, including a little bit of eastern cottonwood, and then in, in a very short period of time, every bit of it cut down, all that lumber, of course, harvested and sold, and then Uh, a tree growing operation moving in and planting a single species over 50,000 acres with it being a fast growing tree that would quickly yield them a, a profit down the road. And so what happened is key people, David Murrah's father was game warden and there were other prominent people who had hunted these swamps and loved these swamps. They got together and they started formulating a plan and then at the same time the nature conservancy that we all know is pretty much a household word they got wind of this project and uh they had enough cash on hand to purchase the 50,000 acres but they did not want to leave their money tied up and they did not want to be you know like a landlord essentially and keep the land and and i you know i assume they would have been responsible with it had they kept it But instead, what they did is they made a deal where the state of Mississippi stepped in and paid back the Nature Conservancy, uh, which the state of Mississippi obviously didn't, you know, they couldn't just on a dime round up the money. So there was a year or two there while the uh, Nature Conservancy negotiated and, uh, you know, all the political uh, tumblers fell into place where you know, people got the word out. A lot of people love to hunt. I mean, you know, a lot of people who are considered conservatives did not want to see our natural swamp. And then, of course, you also had the people who are, are more of a nature lovers and environmentalists more on the other side. Uh, we're, we're all joined together on this. We're going to protect the trees. We're going to protect nature. And the hunting is going to be regulated, and then everybody else gets to bird watch and enjoy it. So, it all round was a very good idea. I wish the Nature Conservancy had put codicils in the deed because that would have been perfect. They could have just absolutely laid down the law in a way that couldn't be undone about how the trees would be harvested, how the trees would be cut if they ever were cut. Uh, you know, lay it out that this is a preserve, this is not a tree growing, money-making operation anymore. Could have been laid out, but instead there was a, um, a set of agreements made that were not binding, which included the fact that no, we're not gonna ever clear cut. We're going to selective cut at most. We're not, you know, looking for ways to harvest trees for any purpose. You know, if we harvest trees, it's for some good cause to enhance the preserve and enhance hunting in some cases and all that, you know, 50 acres being clear cut, which is what we experienced really, I believe if my memory's correct, it was cut in January. So just very recently, Uh, that's a mighty small amount out of 50,000 acres, but we all know what it could signify. It could be the beginning of a change. You know, David Murrah, who lives up in George County, he's the one that found the 50 acre clear cut. He's the one who really stirred everybody up. He's the one that contacted the Sierra Club. Uh, he's the one that uh, said, you know, we can't, we can't let this stand. We've got to make clear that this doesn't need to happen again, even on 50 acres. You know, his question, he raised is, okay, we do 50 acres this time. What stops them from doing 180 acres the next time? You know, so, so, uh, that's, so this is really uh, a hot topic. And it requires people, it doesn't require like public hearings, and it doesn't require uh, a whole lot of uh, hard work, but it does require people to contact their legislators, their politicians and say, hey, we want the Pascagoula game management area protected. We want to support wildlife, and uh, please don't do this again.
0: Right. Well, I took, I took a minute to read over the articles of dedication. Um, yes. That outlined how the land was to be protected or used, and if there was any cutting to be done, as it stated in there, and I'll quote that in the podcast, um, but that it is supposed to be done in a certain way so as not to clear cut. And let's maybe explain to the audience what clear uh, yes. uh, cutting is.
1: Yes. And you know, I, I, I hope most people from Mississippi know what clear cutting is because we live through a whole lot of it from the 1980s up to probably the early 2000s there was just a a mass clear cutting of land all over uh particularly you know south mississippi which is what i saw but i mean really it happened anywhere trees were grown became a preferred way to clear and uh what it amounts to is you you clear cut uh, as in cut down everything on a particular tract, whether it's 50 acres or a thousand acres, you just go in and clear it all and you get as much of that sold and hauled off. Uh, and then after you've done that, uh, you come in and plant a monoculture. And a lot of times it's done on land that was already a monoculture, but it still is shocking It's one of the worst ways to manage wildlife. It's a great way to maximize your profits off of lumber. I'm not saying it doesn't work. It obviously works in its own way, but not for uh, maximizing wildlife. Now, if they uh, clear cut and then selectively planted back, it's like sometimes a clear cut can be better than what they had before because so much of our land was planted in uh, pulpwood which are fast-growing pines, but not the longleaf that our, our lands used to have. We used to have, you know, a lot of monoculture, but it was natural monoculture, which was longleaf pine in a grassland setting. So you could go in and you could clear-cut pulpwood and then come in with a monoculture in that you go in and plant longleaf pine. Of course, you got to do control burns because longleaf won't even survive without the uh, the control burns. I mean, that could work. No. Uh, and that, of course, has nothing to do with what happened up in the Pascagoula game management area. I mean, I think the last tree they considered dealing with was longleaf. And it may not have even been appropriate for that area. We tend to be bottomland hardwood and uh, longleaf pines tend to be on flatwoods. Uh, they are, they do tend to be wetlands in the, in the southern part of the state, but they, uh, they don't uh, get that kind of hilly uh, floodplain that, uh, that's up in the Pascagoula game management area.
0: So just to clarify, um, we are talking about these articles of dedication that the Nature Conservancy perhaps should have put it in the deed when they sold the land to the state of Mississippi. Articles of dedication are not legally binding?
1: Not that I know of. I'm not, I'm, and of course, there is a uh, possibility that the attorney general of the state of Mississippi will make a ruling on that question. I mean, there is some, apparently, uh, that question has been uh, sent to the attorney general for comment. And so it's possible a ruling will be made whether or not they're binding. This 50-acre clear-cut would have violated that agreement, uh, it seems to me.
0: Having read it, it does seem that way. Do you know why this 50 acres was clear-cut?
1: Their main excuse was that there had been some hurricane damage. And they kind of say, well, if there's hurricane damage, we have the right to go in and and harvest trees that are hurricane damaged." I mean, maybe the, the agreement would have allowed that. But what's interesting is how does, how does a hurricane damage uh, result in a clear cut? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see that. Of course, number, number two, I would argue that even if we can do that, we shouldn't, not in a game management area. Now, I could see doing it if trees fall on the various roads that are cut in there for public access. But that's not what happened here. This was not an area for public access. I think we're mostly uh, just trying to make the public aware and encouraging people to, uh, you know, lodge complaints with the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries and Parks, and also to contact their politicians. Their uh, legislators are particularly important.
0: As I understand it, I think, I hope I understand it correctly. The biggest issue here is that this won't be a precedent. And that's the big issue.
1: I think I think so I think so this particular issue as i said this is one where you you call your politicians i i don't think it would hurt to even call mayors it wouldn't hurt to call you know your alder persons or council persons in your city but it would be even more effective to reach out to the legislators the ones that are your senators the ones that are your house members and uh and just tell them look you know this was a bad idea. Please don't do it again. Yeah, you know, I let me say something else about this. I mean, if if it isn't abundantly clear, you know, a true uh wildland preserve like the Pascagoula Gains Management Area is supposed to be, it should we should let these trees get old and die of old age. You know, we shouldn't be going in there and worrying over you know, oh my God, you know, that tree took a beating. Look at there, part of its bark got stripped off in a hurricane. Well, let's go get that thing cut down. That's not, that's not correct. I mean, every accident uh, that happens to our trees, everything that goes wrong with those trees is part of what enhances wildlife and increases diversity. So we just need to generate, we need to let trees get to be you know, if a cypress tree grows to be a thousand years old and then it dies, let her stand till it falls down. You can't believe the amount of wildlife that will use that tree as it dies and falls down. So we need, we need that. We need that badly. But we need to, any any citizen that will talk to their, the people they either vote for or hopefully go out and vote for. I know a lot of people don't vote, but even if they don't vote, they should speak to the people that represent them anybody they have influence with and just say, please don't let this happen again.
0: Thank you so much, Steve. That's it for episode 14, folks. If you want to learn more about the LEF podcast, you can visit my website at sarahcraddock.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-R-A-D-D-O-C-K.com. In addition to creating this podcast, I also work full-time as a realtor at Keller Williams here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So please contact me for any of your real estate needs. And again, you can find my contact information on my website. That's sarahcraddock.com. You're listening to LEF.